Hey, I'm your host, Wes. And I'm your host, Scott. Come on in and grab a seat. Because you're hanging with us at the barbershop. Hey, Scotty, we're back at it. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. That is good to hear. Kind of a rainy, drizzly day here. Uh, yeah, and it's kind of been that way for the last couple of days. I know I was in the other night doing some stuff, and uh, there were tornado warnings all over the province. And, right. Uh, Big sheet lightning. Yeah. Yeah, lit up the sky. Kind of cool, <laughs> but the, in a way, it's like, oh my gosh. I think we may have actually picked some of it up on a, on a recording I was doing for our sister show. Nice. <laughs> Big old booms and cracks. Yeah, yeah. I definitely made a comment about, oh, we're getting some weather as people are looking at the window going, should I be cutting this short and going home? <laughs> ah, they'll all do good. They all, Well, they must have all got home. I'm going to assume that they got home. <laughs> now, mind you, we haven't heard from them, so that could mean one of two things. They didn't get home, or they did. <laughs> he's made a post since. Oh, social so media says yeah, he's, yeah, he's there. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Has made a ride. Uh, have you ever clicked uh, on Facebook when you know you see that there's these issues or problems around the world, and people are like, I check in safely in. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm like. In a way, it's good because, again, it's it's tough to sometimes communicate or get a hold. So, I mean, like, right, as we've said, everybody's got Facebook. And, yeah. Yeah. So checking in after the storm. Yeah. So we're episode number, I'm not even sure what this is right now. Six. We're ahead of ourselves, really, Six, in our recording schedule. Which is so. awesome. This is exactly what I was sort of aiming for. We've uploaded episode one two three yeah all performing very well sounds very good um it was very interesting did you have a look at our metrics yesterday i did i did we've got some um european downloads in greece and italy. i couldn't believe it we got two two downloads out of greece and one from italy which is i'm not a hundred percent sure like i uh i got a cousin that's uh Tellerico. so i yeah. mean but is he if he's sharing it i'm not um, entirely sure but uh, I'm pretty sure he's still in Ontario. I like the uh, the uh, the specifics of the episodes, and I was quite surprised to see that uh, Ladies' Night is now holding the uh, the record for the most downloads. I, I I think too. I think it's been the the most organic or the most conversational that we've had. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, certainly, it's fun to hear somebody else put you in your place. I know when uh, producer Andy was uh, sending those figures over. And I had made that remark, and he's like, guess we got to have him back. Oh, right. <laughs> and as I say, too, um, as it gets out there, and if you guys want to you know, make comments and see other conversations that you'd want us to have with our significant others, we're, we're open for that. Um, oh, yes. Kim enjoyed herself a lot. I, I, I definitely, we talked about it a little bit sort of in between, and uh, you know, she's really trepidatious in the sense that she's like, you know, I know it's your thing. And I'm like, I told you right from the beginning that I wanted you to, to be a part of this. So having you on the show as a guest was a no brainer for me. And now she's got this, you know, she had such a good time uh, the other night on our sister show that, you know, she's like spewing out ideas for future episodes. And I think she and producer Andy actually have a, uh, a show that they're going to, well, potentially an episode. I'm not sure if it's going to bust into a full show, but, uh, we might have a third show under our uh, under our sawcast uh, banner uh, under the banner. Yeah. Um, spoiler. Yeah. Paranormal. Supernatural. Right. Stuff. I picked up enough of that that I figured that that's what it was about, and she's yeah. into that. Oh, huge. big time. 
and Andy, I think, as well, right? Yeah, so yeah. that maybe uh, lets him uh, flex his geek muscle a little it's bit. It's a little bit easier for me to take a back seat on that because as much as I love that stuff, I don't buy into the conspiracy theory aspect of it. Even though like I I agree that it is a hundred percent entertaining. Like we <laughs> Yes. We watched uh we watched the Netflix documentary last night about Bob Lazar. Guy who used to work out at um, claims that he worked at Area 51 and made some very bold claims uh, in 1989 about uh, UFOs that uh, the U.S. government had recovered. In fact, were reverse engineering that he had been working on. Of course, because that's where all our technology comes yeah. from. Um, Independent Independence Day said so. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just check the Enquirer if you want to know what's going on in the world. <laughs> Old Men in Black reference. Yeah. Right? Well, that's a pretty good segue. Uh, that brings us, we're, uh, I guess, depending on when you're listening to this, we're uh, coming up in the end of October, which means uh, Halloween is right around the corner. And uh, what a what a great way to uh, kick off the season than by introducing our, uh, our guest for today. He's my friend. He's my former colleague. He is Mark DeVoe of Devo FX, all the way from Nicktaw, Nova Scotia. Hello, Mark. What is up? Hey, my friend, we're doing well here. Uh, glad to have you over in the barbershop today to want to have a chitty chat about uh, everything and nothing all at the same time. <laughs> Dude, it's my plugger. Always do. love doing that. So here's the funny part. Scott and I are absolute horrorphobes. We can't, we don't like it. It, uh, I squeal like a schoolgirl at this stuff. And yet, you know, I'm completely fascinated by the process and, uh, you know, like I said uh, in your introduction, we are colleagues, and uh, we did work together on some pretty gr- gruesome stuff in the uh, in our previous life. So, Mark and I met when we were both in uniform in the military a few years ago, and uh, we were working at the uh, Canadian Forces Health Services Training Center. And uh, Mark is a very prolific CAS sim makeup artist prior to getting into the uh, the FX world. Mark. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, uh, about the uh, history of uh, your involvement in CAS Sim and how that led you into uh, into Creature FX? Uh, I think it ju- everything just rolled together. Like I always did a bit of makeup. I was always interested in special effects and stuff. But I yeah. chose to go the military route instead of just doing that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't regret anything. Uh, the uh, and in the military, I did bunch load of casualty simulation, and I think sometimes I was known to go a bit overboard. <laughs> yeah, I can remember working uh, working on an exercise, and I'm not sure if it was a if it was a QL5 uh, medical technician course or if it was an officer's course. And I can remember our uh, uh, my boss, who's now I'm not even sure where he is. The last time I talked to him, he was a he was a lieutenant colonel. Uh, back in the UK, but uh, Chris Gibson, I can remember him getting pretty upset because the casualties weren't coming fast enough because he wanted more detail. Boy, because I always, in my head, training people like you, like you know, if if you do, uh, like if you pick up somebody to do makeup, yeah, that does it like once in a year. Yeah, uh, and that would have been me at the time, which is fine, but. Then when you uncover the like the the wound or the injury or whatever, uh, if it looks phony, then like the simulation is just yeah, uh, wasted. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's sort of the whole thing with this casualty simulation. It's to help new medics and healthcare practitioners in the armed forces um, sort of diagnose or see things that you might not see every day. It, that, that is the, the idea behind it, right? The ultimate goal is to, uh, to desensitize to what you would see in real life. So it's it's just another another day. It's just oh, that's a third degree burn. That's a compound fracture. This is what I'm gonna do, and you just move on. It's not the oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Because and and regardless of your experience or the the amount of simulation you had, you're always gonna have a case in real life that you're gonna you're just gonna tap out. That's just the way it is. Now, before the show, Mark, you and I were talking sort of on the lead up to uh, how we were going to approach this, and uh, you posted a very interesting photo on your Facebook of a very, very high fidelity maxillofacial injury, and we talked about that, and that was one of those instances, I think, where you were referring to where you're going to have an injury that you know, you're not going to be ready for, and it may throw you for a loop, and I think that's, that's kind of the key to the cash sim world is that you know, high fidelity uh, injuries and it's not the common broken leg, pneumothorax, you know, common stuff that we see burns and lacerations. Not saying that those things are common, but in the in the training world, they kind of are. So if you have a chance to go check out DevoFX, check out their Facebook, and uh, you'll see this maxillofacial injury I'm referring to. Like you can't miss it. When I say high fidelity, I mean like gruesome stuff. And I guess that's kind of kind of where I want to go next is sort of the talking about creating this stuff and maybe some of the mediums that you work in to achieve these hyper-realistic effects, uh, not necessarily injuries, but also injuries and uh, I guess just gore in general as we're talking Halloween here. <laughs> gore in general is actually <laughs> the easiest thing you can do. Really? Yeah, it is because uh, like if you look at injuries on TV, it's a perception of what they want. Like if I... There's shows I worked on. I'm like, all right, they, they want um, a guy that's that's being hung for like 24 hours. I'm like, okay. Right. Some of them are okay, but some of them are pretty brutal. Yeah. And then I come up with pictures. I'm like, this is what it looks like. And I actually have experience to back it up. And most of them, they're like, oh, okay. Okay, no, that's too much. <laughs> right. Let, let's go artistically speaking. We're just going to say that they're just there. I'm like, okay, that's good. I find but, that aspect of the whole process to be completely fascinating. And, and I say that from the perspective that, you know, later on in my career, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, a couple of us got sent down to uh, Chantilly, Virginia to do a cash sim course with uh, a special effects makeup lady. But her background was in makeup. And as good as she was, I mean, she's just going off of reference material that she's seen in pictures or television or other visual medium where, you know, the background that you had as a uh, medical technician, that intimate knowledge of anatomy and physiology. Tell me a little bit about how that plays into structuring uh, a wound or, or an effect. Well, for me, it all starts when I, because I, try to sculpt every injury that I do yeah in order to give to give it like because if it's on the stomach there's more fat if okay if it's on the nose there's less fat uh, if it's a scalp if it's 
uh, depending where it is. I like to sculpt it, sculpt it from scratch. Right. And then by sculpting it, I can give it the details I want and the skin tex- texture properly. And if I have to put hair, uh, poke hair on right. the prosthetic before I put it on, then I can do that. And then it's a molding process uh, depending on how big the piece is. And then you have to cast your piece depending on which medium you choose. If right. it's silicone, if it's foam latex, if it's cold foam, if gelatin and uh the hamster just fell off the wheel (laughs) now mark uh, you're a full service shop so i mean from my experience of not knowing anything and all i get is from like tv shows on fx and things like that where they're bringing on the uh the artists and stuff like that so it it depends on i assume budget and then what a director or a film person wants depending on what you're doing but you're working predominantly you're creating an appliance and then applying it to the actor or the stunt people yeah they uh usually the uh, producer or the writer or the director they're gonna they call me up they're like this is what we want to do here's the script have a look and uh give us your quote cool so i read the script and i break down the script in order to see like what could be a good effect and I tend to always push practical because CG, it's always, it's always so, so bad unless you spend a ton of money, like a shit ton of money. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying always to push practical, like the, the good old days of, of movie making. And then I push my quote, this is what we can do. And it goes from literally... Uh, tiny scratch, straight makeup to animatronics to dentures. What else we do? Uh, the, I don't think there's a whole lot I don't do. Like we 3D print, uh, we paint, we design. With the, uh, like the with the 3D yep. printing, has that, uh, I mean, right, to me that's new technology. So when would you say that's um, started for you guys in, in your environment? and printing an appliance instead of molding it um right now i like the only thing i'm use uh i'm printing is like small thing that i want either it's a, a small part or a mechanical part or an eye that i want to just have an eye so it hasn't overtaken the kind of the old school way of doing things you've been doing this for how long mark 10 years 10 years so from you know from day one to yesterday what would you say the biggest change in the industry or in in your your toolbox even is that's changed or made your job easier actually 3d printing is a big one uh for designing like big shops like a regular shop like in montreal toronto uh that do that kind of stuff they'll have like 20 people permanently just running stuff and but because I'm so tiny and there's no demand in Nova Scotia I just keep it as what I need because we can go up as uh, 3d scan uh, somebody instead of doing an actual live cast right we can 3d scan their head and just print it and then they don't even have to come to the shop I can go to their hotel scan them and 
have a good day. Has the technology come that far that you can make a good mold off of a 3D scan versus a life cast? If you have a good 3D scan, yeah. Really? But a good 3D scan is going to be like we're talking like 10 grand up. Really? Well, you think about it, right? I've got orthotics. Yeah. I'm on my third pair in my lifetime. Right. And the last pair I got, she scanned my feet. Is that right? Eh? No stepping in, in clay, no stepping on foam. Just hung the feet out there and yeah. she scanned them for 20 minutes and sure, sure. they seem to work. So that's cool that that uh, allows you that access to people, or I guess lack of access to people. But it, it does open you up to do different things that are a little farther away, right? Yeah, but yeah, but like I said, unfortunately down here, it's 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 almost never gonna happen unless I just pick the money out of my pocket and uh, really? bite the dust. Yeah, I guess so, eh? Well, Mark, let's go back a little bit and let's talk about. Um... No. <laughs> <laughs> How many years of service do you have? Twenty. Twenty years of service. So you basically have. I don't know. Like, can you talk a little bit about before the military, like specifically? about your early interests in in horror and how you know how how you kind of connected with that it's actually not really horror really it was actually yeah like my first like when i had the the the, the bing idea yeah. i was watching thriller oh wow and i bought the vhs tape yep. and at the end of the tape they had all the makeover uh the makeover the the making of okay and it was Rick Baker and his team and live casting and doing teeth and really zombies and all that. I was I'm like, dude, this is how I want this is what I want to do. Wow. And I signed up. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. And so you have this inspirational moment where you're watching a Michael Jackson video and then you have this twenty year gap where you're doing like silly soldier stuff. And I don't mean that in any way, shape, or form to be disrespectful. As uh, somebody who worked shoulder to shoulder with you, I say that out of a sense of camaraderie because we both know what it's like. <laughs> but I mean, there was some opportunities presented in the military, and I, I kind of touched on one already with that sort of uh, just by our occupation. You have this intimate sort of knowledge of anatomy and physiology, which clearly plays a role in how you approach a, an appliance or a prosthetic or or your craft in general. But in terms of other training, like talk to me a little bit about the cash sim course and how that helped you to get to where you are now. Well, I, as you know, I decided to, cause there was no, no more casualty simulation course through the military. I remember that. Yeah. And, um, as you remember, I was fighting to have like decent, uh, simulation stuff. And I'm like, we're, because we're in the, at that time, I was in the field section. And yeah. I'm like, there's, there's no, like, it should be part of, you know, our duty that we can do all that and professionally and all that. And so I went to see a school in Toronto. Yeah. And I had, I can't remember how long the course, I think it was like three weeks. I'm just, I'm shooting in the dark here. Was that Humber College? Uh, no, back then it was Soma. Oh, okay. And... I included in the course. I'm like, we need to, we need to do this, 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 this. Yeah. And basically, it's all stuff I wanted to learn. Anyway. Oh, right. <laughs> so you had, but, a, you had a little guiding hand in that, in developing that. Yeah. Oh, wicked. But at the same time, the military is so uh, focused on train the trainer. 
train the trainer and train the trainer. So I'm like, yeah, that's the best way. Like we'll learn how to make our own molds. We'll learn by how doing to make it our own, by doing it. And then we can have like a, a storage room or whatever with all what we need. And then we just keep the molds. And then when we need it, we use it. Right. And uh, so, yeah. So I went to Toronto for three weeks. That's fantastic. So that's then, the only training I got, though. You know, but but this is it, right? Like I remember, I remember this, and I remember some of the other people that went and did that training. And then, like I said, I got sent on a similar course, and I couldn't figure out why. You know that they were so intent on spending, you know, crazy amounts of money on a course that was, you know, one tenth the duration of the stuff that you had taken, and that seemed to be well, that was good enough. Like it just felt like a step backwards. But anyway. Was- yeah, go ahead. I, basically, I think as soon as my course was done, yeah, and it's I think it's not long after that I uh, the wire crossed, yeah, and I think it just got into somebody's hands and like it's always the same thing, right? It's oh, let's do this in Virginia. Yeah, you're gonna spend how much? Yeah, on, on just on claims. Oh, I know, just uh, for a weekend for a Saturday Sunday course. Exactly. It's like, come on. Not saying that I didn't get anything out of that because I really did. I mean, I never handled an airbrush before, so I found that to be pretty, uh, pretty fascinating. And, and it was cool, but I just felt like there was so much typical military, right? From the fire yeah. hose. <laughs> but I, that's like, right. That's any big wheels churning kind of involvement of whether it's government or whether it's military, whether it's municipality. Yeah. As you say, you get somebody that's in charge and, and and champions it, and you get really cool things, and you get awesome training, and you get budget dollars. And then, as you say, is uh, especially in your case, uh, changing government, <laughs> change yeah. in upper management, and then you know all of a sudden that guy retires that was your champion, and you get a new guy, and you go from you know brand name Cheerios to Odios. Oh right, right. Be like that's but good that, enough. But that's cool. Like that, that's cool. Killed me because. Remember they asked for when he built the actual simulation cell? Yeah, I remember. They're like, oh, yeah, we need a sergeant. I'm like, oh, I'll do it. Like, yep. I'll, I'll start everything. Like, yep. The major who, I can't remember her name. She actually, she's like, do you have a portfolio? I'm like, what? Well, you, you want me to audition for a job that I created? <laughs> I'm like, do you, okay. So I actually... Put a bunch of pictures together, presented it. Yeah, yeah. At some point, we go to a meeting and there's different people. Oh, yeah. by the way, we found the, the person who's going to be in charge of the simulation cell, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's a master corporal reserve and it's a secondary job. I was yeah. like, God. all right, thank you very much. That's amazing, too, that they would want to. And, and again, from a cost uh, perspective, to hire a reservist on a contract for, you know, X number of months. And like you say, well, if he's going to be there anyway, because it's now his secondary duty, again, it's like military health care, no continuity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're, they're, they're in the same trend. Yeah, exactly. So a 20-year career, and by all accounts, a relatively successful career. I mean, and no, no successful careers with its ups and downs, but we're going to kind of stay away from the, the downside of things because that's a little can be a little bit emotional and and I certainly appreciate you on that perspective cuz I know we share some uh, some of those uh, ugly times but 
you leave the military and you return home. You find yourself back in Nova Scotia and you've got this dream. Tell me how the the idea of, you know, Sergeant DeVoe transitions to, you know, Mark FX guru. <laughs> I to be honest, uh, all I did I'm like I'm I'm going to open a, an FX shop. Yeah. But at first like let's let's practice let's just do stuff to do stuff and get good at it and i look at some old sculptures i, I did and i was like oh that's bad right right that's just bad but uh it's like anything right it's it's you have to put the time in of course you do and i kind of figured that it, it was my my um how can i say that my sanity yep so I, now I just do it every single day, regardless what it is. Right. I just go in the shop and do something, and it just, you know, I'm calm, I'm settled, everything is cool, and I practice every single day. Yeah. And somebody just saw something at some point, they're like, hey, can you do a zombie? Sure. Uh, we're doing a short film. Okay. Showed up, did that, and then I got another call, and another call and then another call and I did a few Stephen King things and then yeah kept going at it well that's good you're you're uh you're getting well ahead of me because that's where I was going to go next I was going to just say you know you're doing this stuff for the sake of doing it because you're passionate about it and then that first call comes and you're like wait a minute somebody wants to pay you to do this like What's that like doing it for doing it for yourself versus that first paid gig? <laughs> when I started, I started saying like the Dark Knight. Yeah. Like with the Joker. Oh yeah. If you're good at something, don't don't do it for free. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I literally did it for free because all the money that was coming in, I was just reinvesting in the putting it back into the shop. Putting it back into the shop. Oh, I can certainly appreciate that as a small business owner here. That's kind of the way it goes for me too. Like I don't take a wage and anything that comes in that's over and above cost is reinvested back into the business, whether it's inventory or, you know, new fixtures or that kind of thing. So I certainly yeah, appreciate you, that. You, yeah. Cause you can't, you can't retire and just sit on your ass on your lazy boy and do nothing. Like you, like you need to keep evolving and, trying new things and just keep moving it's it's, it's that's that's why i do it for free because it's, it's good as you said it's become part of your daily routine which is good right it gets you out of bed gets you down to the shop gives you something to kind of look forward to every day now yep. you'd mentioned now obviously you're out east because that was home to start with so you go out back home you start this and you've you've enjoyed it, and and the big difference from doing this Halifax area, right, um, to like what's in To or what you would say versus um, you know Hollywood North and like Vancouver. So we we know there's not as much work, but w what would you say the big difference in between your market and your primary filming locations in Canada are? I would say that that culture is different it's handled differently a little more relaxed yes to a point where it's questionable because <laughs> <laughs> i was the uh vice president of the union and uh i dropped so 
it's it's totally different. Like you go shoot in like in Montreal, let's say, and everybody's dressed the same. Like nobody's looking after the actor. Like oh, like okay. oh, like they bow in front of them kind of thing. Right. But down here, it, it's a bit different, and uh, because it's a it's a trade that's it's so polyvalent like it's i i touch everything right and i can jump into like wardrobe or i can jump into props or i can jump into uh like a bunch of stuff because we do basically everything yeah yeah you would have to wouldn't you yeah and uh so some people don't like that and uh yeah so after a while after like when i i did x-men and then i did frontier and then uh, there's two shows that I uh, showed up, and I'm like, this is this is this is not good. <laughs> right. Go. Well, it's funny you talk about sort of the projects that you've worked on. I'm actually just having a look here at your website, and I'm I'm kind of scrolling through the little the little pinwheel, and uh, I came across a little tidbit here that I wanted to go back and just touch on because I remember back when when you were working on this particular project, you made a point to reach out and say, hey, please please watch this and know that this is something that's important to me. Talk to me a little bit about Lord of Chaos and how that came about. Cause I know that that is a short film that it's a story by you and you do all the effects in the production, correct? Yeah. Talk a little bit about Lord of Chaos and, and what that meant to you. That was something I wanted to do because my idea of uh, telling the story basically was just, you know, different as, the casual, you know, I'm crying, gonna slice my wrist kind of shit. Yeah. So uh, for for the people who are listening, if you're uh, if you're not familiar with this, I highly recommend Lord of Chaos. Is it? It's online, is it not, Mark? Uh, I believe it's on Vimeo. It's on Vimeo. So I highly recommend you go and check it out. So correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but Lord of Chaos was an allegory for dealing with post traumatic stress. Yeah, and I wanted to show. Like what, like how I see it, like every yeah. day, but portrayed in the different way that that uh, people don't think. You know, uh, in mental health, we talk about the demons a lot, and it's always metaphorically speaking. But in Lord of Chaos, you quite literally turn post-traumatic stress into a physical demon. Yeah, and because the the way I tell the story, I'm gonna kill the punch but who cares uh <laughs> spoiler alert like, yeah spoiler alert. the like i found that people that understand a lot are actually young kids like for some reason uh there's a few occasions that you know out of nowhere a kid just you know put his hand on me or said something that just out of the blue like how how can you get that yeah. So I'm like, oh my god, maybe we can, you know, put that in and stuff. I'll, I'll let people watch it and judge for themselves. But since we did it, uh, all the veterans I talked to, they're like, oh man, you like you nailed it on the head. Yeah. I guess that's a that's another uh, good transition point there that that we can talk about moving into sculpting for veterans so you've been at this for quite a while now and and you've run a couple of serials of this program but sculpting for veterans talk about that program and how it kind of came about it came about uh me just reflecting on 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 stuff and 
I came up with, you know, when am I the most serene or when am I the most happy? Right. And that was when I was sculpting, actually. Because depending on what you sculpt, you need reference and you, like, you constantly have to try and force your brain to, like, focus and and look at the bigger picture, but at the same time, you look at the small picture. Right. So I just decided to throw it out there. Like, if you if you want to learn how to sculpt, come to my shop, and it's just going to be people like us. Yeah. No therapist, no nothing, and we can say what, whatever we want. And, uh, yeah, so far, and I don't, like, there's not a schedule. No. Because you you can't you can't uh, you can't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, I mean, people are coming to. You. I've participated in quite a few uh, veteran programs, and you never know where somebody is in relation to their injury when they're coming into a program like that. And so, when you say like there's no schedule, I mean that's got to be a real relief that there's no pressure to have to do anything or anything at all. And- and that was my main thing. There's guys that actually just showed up for a coffee, and yep. it was just like the barbershop, literally. Oh, that's cool. Or, or just sit down, and he's like, no, I don't want to scope. I just want to sit down and watch you guys shit. and chat. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, All right, cool, man. Um, and we definitely, helps, we certainly appreciate that that aspect of it. I mean, we we've built a whole show on it. <laughs> well, it's it's one of the things that, unfortunately, guys don't have. We've talked about that mark and exactly right and the the ability just to have a visit or just have a sit down and have a coffee and look across the table or you know and kind of get that that guy across from here that you're talking to that day actually gets you and as you say as men we don't really share a whole lot but sometimes that's it, it doesn't need to be a verbal share so you know what thank you certainly for for doing that I saw on the, if you wanted to support that program, I think you were coffee mugs on the website? Yes. I like, I have to go through the website. I'm, I'm bad with admin stuff. But yeah. Uh, so, it's okay. But you the gist, both. But, yeah. From, from when I was poking. So you've, you've got a, you've got a coffee mug. You're selling that on the website and a hundred percent of those funds go to buy uh, the molding busts. Yeah. We, um, I buy a, a molding bust, which is uh, basically a head with shoulders, because to start sculpting, it's always nice to have a form on it. Something so to go off of, ref- yeah. Yeah, so you can have reference and stuff. And also, I buy the guys uh, a small starter kit with tools in it, so they can start right away. And when they leave, you know, they leave with the form, they leave with their their tools. If they don't want it, they leave it. Uh, but it's there for them, and the only way, especially now, because nothing's coming in, the only way to pay for that is the mug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me, how many cereals have you run so far? I run three that oh, that's were fantastic. Like more than one or two person. Yeah. But because I tend to tell people, don't, like, just contact me. We'll set up a time that you're comfortable with. And we'll we'll make it work. If I have, because some guys, you know it, like you're a hermit, you don't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, do, you just don't want to. Right. But some guys are willing to actually do it at their place. Oh, like they to have, have you place. in. Like, I'm, 
I'm retired. I do whatever I want. Yeah, of course. So we just set that up at the time and, you know, we scalp for a, for a day and yeah. I teach them everything I know, all the tricks of the trade and what to look for and how to design properly, well, probably how to design a, a character. Right. And then if they pick it up, great. If they don't, then uh, at least they had like a chit chat with somebody else. Oh, that's super cool. I'm glad you're doing that kind of work because that's, you know, the more work we can do on uh, destigmatizing post-traumatic stress and the better we're all going to be in this world. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yes. Because most veterans, let's, let's put it fairly, we're all, we're all seen as dangerous people. Like, yeah. What's out? They're going to, they're going to lose it. They're going to kill everybody. I know. Oh. Yeah. I know. I've certainly been, I've been faced with that very same scenario where it's like, oh, he's got post-traumatic stress. Be careful what you say to him. He's a ticking time bomb. And and really, yeah. you know, you and I both know that, that for the, by and large, that's not the case, you know? Oh, no. Not even close. Yeah, like, of course. We collapse more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, I'm a wet noodle in the corner crying. Uh, that's where I'll be. <laughs> yeah, that and the bitching, like the bitching rest face. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't get that. Like, it's... I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm super happy. That's right. My face didn't get the memo. It's all good. <laughs> now, That's pretty awesome. as, uh, as well as the, you do uh, workshops for the general public as well. Yes. So you kind of do the whole, so anyone else that sort of wants to do this as a hobby or wants to do this to sort of see if they've got a hand for it, you kind of do the whole gambit of, um, like, right, you've got prosthetics 101 technical difficulties i just closed my website oh no um, you do you do you do uh monster teeth you know if somebody was doing um plays or things like that and they had somebody in their staff that wanted to do a little bit more than just typical makeup you can help them along with that as well oh hell yes yeah and around like i know in in the atlantic there's no school teaching what i'm doing they're mostly teaching like tricks that you can use on youtube oh right really? like it's just like an introduction to special effects out of kit kind of stuff and my stuff is well i say my stuff well, it's professional the, thing, the things i do is what the big shops are doing i guess i always just assume that the uh the major film schools were kind of handling this kind of stuff and, and teaching it, but you make it sound like that's really not the case, like not to the same level that you're able to achieve. I think it's went to a way where they're just passing people through just to get the, because some courses are like 30 grand depending oh, wow. on the school. Yeah. And they'll teach straight makeup, editorial makeup, black and white makeup and HD makeup and all that stuff. And they'll spend maybe two months Oh wow! Three, if you're lucky on special effects, that's that's an overview of everything, and then you do everything once, and no uh, disrespect to them, but they come out, they're like, "Oh, I have, I'm a pro." No, you're not a pro. You just start. It's <laughs> like, it's, it's right. really about mastering your craft in hours and hours of of real life, real work um, experience, right? Yeah, and most of what people think is not actually what's happening like 95 percent i think of the work is done in the shop 
So it's all mold making and it's all uh, uh, sculpting and painting and playing with naphtha and acetones and all that stuff. Right. You're not constantly with the actor petting them and doing makeup. Well, it's funny, too, because when I kind of checked your bio out, it, it kind of put a smile on my face. And this just shows how much you do in television that um, you have credits on Haven, which uh, was a Stephen King kind of offshoot, which I never knew until I dug into it a little bit more. And uh, my wife and I were huge fans of that. We watched it on Showcase in typical cable manner, and we watched it from week to week before streaming happened. And I mean, other than the odd episode, I would never have told you that that show was heavy FX, but you know, it was, it, it was not really cause they, they tried to not do any effects. I don't know why they did like they. I had one credit on that show and I did probably like seven or eight episodes. Right. Yeah. We, we liked it. It was a good little, a good little show. Like the, and, do you remember the reveal of I think season three when there's like the big uh, the, the person that changed skin? And yes. Stuff? Well, I did the makeup for that one. Oh, very good. You see, and, and this is where I, I kind of I like this it, where you can have that conversation and be like, oh, what did you do? And then you're like, yeah, yeah, I could totally see that, right? And you're like, okay, I, I totally appreciate that 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 was actually somebody's hundred hours of, yeah. of work <laughs> for for what like you know a three and a half four minute reveal uh not even not even right i think it was like less than 30 seconds it oh. was crazy and there's stuff they didn't put at all so uh, right they do lots of shoots stuff uh lots of angles and you reapplying i assume and then all of a sudden it's like cutting room floor Fortunately, yeah. fortunately, you don't and, you don't get paid by what goes on screen. <laughs> no, and and then you you tell them, Larry, it's like you, you want to shoot that way because you know it's fresh, it's beautiful. Like yeah, get your close up now. But the way they teach, they're like directing a movie or whatever. Yeah, you do wide first to let the actors get into the mood and and all that. And uh, but with effects, it's it should be the other way. Right, like you start with all the close-ups, so yep. the, like the makeup is cute. It's cute and all that stuff. It's at the and it's at its best when it's exactly. freshly applied. Yeah, of course. Like when we did on Haven, when we did the fight scene with uh, Van der Voot. Oh, what's her first name? Can't remember. Anyway, I'm looking at Scott because I've never watched it. <laughs> uh, and she had she had prosthetic on her hands. Oh, okay. but she had to do stunts. Right. And the first thing they did, stunts. Right. (laughs) First thing that goes, all the prosthetic on the hands are just toast because they're grabbing each other and all that stuff. You're like, oh. (laughs) Well, that's funny you say that because that reminds me, another piece of work that you did, and and you and I talked about this before. Now, there was a a little film that came out, what, last year, year before at the Toronto Film Festival with Robert Pattinson, The Lighthouse. And yeah. there's a scene in the lighthouse where uh, Pattinson's character grabs a seagull by the neck and just beats the tar, like kills this thing by beating it over a rock. Not beating it. He's like fucking thrashing it. it. Yeah. Like he's literally thrashing this bird. And it's, I, you know, what's funny about that is like that scene has been turned into its own meme 
it's been put to several styles of music and it just I had actually seen it set to music before I had seen the original clip and then I saw like <laughs> I'd seen your comment online about I didn't know they were going to do that with the bird I'm surprised it held up <laughs> I dude they called me up I think it was like eight days nine days before they they wanted it and yeah. that's another thing they they ordered an animatronic uh seagull right obviously seagulls are protected and yeah they wanted to do like certain things uh they paid i don't know how much for that seagull and it didn't do one fraction of a second on screen no the animatronic one the animatronic one so that's they, not the same bird that he's thrashing over the rock though is it no okay. those are mine <laughs> I just keep thinking. They called, they called me up. They're like, we need uh, seven seagulls. Okay. Yeah. For what? Well, they're just going to be in a, in a cistern, like full of water. Right. It's going to float. And I'm like, okay. Uh, is that it? Oh, we need one to have like an extended wing. Oh, right. Okay. Right. So I did all those. Yep. And I'm pretty sure I don't have a credit on a movie either. Which pisses me off, but uh, the I got the footage after. I'm like, what you do to my birds? Yeah. Like, because they showed me pictures. Like the prop guy sent me pictures yeah. after the fact. I'm like, they used to have uh, they, they used to have feathers on there. Used to right up until the actor got a hold of it. Yeah, and then uh, but I still didn't know that he whacked the crap out of him. Well, I mean, I've watched it several times, like I said, set to music, and then I finally go back and I watch it in its original context. And I got to tell you, I like it better with music. <laughs> oh, and some of the music they put on. That's what just, I mean. It's insane. It's cool. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. And when your show is ready, Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say? All I can think of is like that tagline that no animals were harmed in yeah. the uh, filming of this. <laughs> the SPCA uh, uh, thing. That's yeah. awesome. Which I, I wouldn't think that, you know, talking about that, um, Mark, has this jaded you when you watch films for enjoyment and television? Do you pick apart other people's work when you watch I, TV now? Yes and no. I don't. I just, before I used to depict it, oh, look, you can see the edges. Oh, uh, now it's more like. A, like a big picture. Right. Right. And because I know how it works, it's yes, I'm jaded. Right. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's, now you're getting I think it on. It's like, just the fact that I'm down here and it's just not working the same way. It's funny though. Like I think every, every profession out there, when they see their profession depicted on film or TV, there's a, there's this inherent, you know, need to want to critique it. Like, and I mean, you should, I mean, I'm going to assume, because I know I do it, that as a soldier, you see military movies and you kind of go, well, that's bullshit. Or no, that's that's pretty good. 
But then you get the other end of it. Not only are we soldiers, but we're also medical people. So you see some of the way that these these medical scenes are depicted. And you're like, come on. So I can only imagine as an effects artist now you've got this triple layer of critique <laughs> running around uh, in your brain. When I worked on Nizi Borden, there's one hair lady. Sure. Somebody got a, a, like a, a pitchfork in the gut. Oh, okay. But... The insertion was pretty low. Right. Like it was like like mid-abdomen. Yeah. And she's like, oh, it should have blood in his mouth and you should spewing it. I'm like, just just go take care of your hair dryer. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't, like it didn't hit the stomach by the time it goes up. It's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's, it, he's not bleeding there. He's bleeding inside. Yeah. You do you. I'll do me. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And um yeah, I'm I'm not always liked when I do uh when I do casualties. <laughs> no, no. Well, let's change gears for a minute. Let's talk a little bit more about the uh uh, I'm sure people really want to know. Let's talk about uh, celebrity for a minute and uh, tell me a little bit. You've worked on a few productions now, and I'm I'm going to touch on Frontier for a minute because a long time. I I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this now. I wasn't allowed to at the time. You sent me some photos under like threat of death if I ever shared them. But I uh, <laughs> am I allowed to talk about that now? Has the oh, oh yeah okay. Yeah. So uh, Mark sent me some photos back when the first season of Frontier was filming. And uh, in these photos, it's a nice shot of Mark applying some prosthesis to Jason Momoa. What was it like working with him? That was funny. <laughs> what? See, let's put it this way. What you see on screen, the way he is, yeah. that's the way he is. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We talked about that a little bit. My wife and I were both big fans of like, like nerd stuff. So... I remember watching Aquaman and thinking that it wasn't really Aquaman. It was just Jason Momoa being Jason Momoa. Yeah. And I think you mentioned once, actually, that his range is, is one face. Oh, wow. But it's the right face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, he, he has the body. He has the face. Yeah, that's right. true. Let's giddy up. But no, it, it was it, it was different. Interesting. So just a fun follow-up question to that. What's your what is your your best or let's say maybe your favorite celebrity interaction from a project you've worked on? Michael Ironside. Really? Yeah. What tell me a little bit about that interaction? Well, Michael Ironside is all the, like the 80s yeah. bad guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and never seen him in life whatever and I'm told I think it's the night before they're like, "Yeah, Michael's going to come in." Do your stuff, blah blah blah, and go and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He walks in. He's a he's a big guy. Like he's he's a a bit like a farmer shape. Like okay, you yeah. Know what a farmer would look like. Like he I has. do. We actually have a good friend of ours, Farmer Henry, who's actually a guest on another show of ours. We know farmers. I mean, we live in farm country here, so yeah, for sure. And uh, he walked in and then started talking. When it and when he started talking. There was a change of atmosphere. I don't know if it's because I I was starstruck or something, but maybe like he had his voice. And there was 
uh, a charisma coming out of like the whole thing. Sure. And chatting, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, he was telling me like, you know, this, and I believe, because I have to remember correctly, but I believe it's a construction accident. <laughs> like when he, like between gigs. Okay. <laughs> and I think he walked off a roof. Oh no. I think that's how he got the scar. Oh really? Yeah. I, I like, I'm like, saying he told me wrong, but I, I think that's what he said. Sure. Sure. But he was super nice throughout. He called me Sarge cause I had my, Oh wow. <laughs> I had my uh, my old uh, raincoat on, and it was dropping like oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, it was great. And the the key makeup on the show actually, she was in the trailer when I was doing my stuff. Yeah, okay. And he walked out, and she looked at me. She's like, "I thought you were gonna slug him." <laughs> I'm like, "Why?" Well, because you know he he was kind of giving it to you. I'm like, "No, no, no, no." It's, he liked me. That's why. Because I gave it to him too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like it's not really nice guy. Really. It's always nice to hear, you know, these good these good celebrity stories from the perspective of, you know, they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you and I do. And that's a thing. I don't see them the same way. I think most people see them. It's I I, I think it's more because of what we were before. Yeah. When you fart, it still sinks. <laughs> that's right. And if I drop your pants, you're useless like everybody else. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if Michael Ironside was your best, is it is it safe? Are we? I don't want to throw anybody anyone under the bus here, but is it safe to ask you about your worst celebrity experience? My worst. Uh, hmm. And you don't have you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. We can move on to something else. But I just thought it'd be interesting. I can uh, say well, I can say I got called tubby a lot by one. Really? That's really unfortunate. I find that in life, and I think Wes and I can both agree, right? And to me, looking at your photo shoot, Mark, you're slim and trim compared. Yeah, <laughs> but no, no, yeah. I was like, I, I was Buddha. Like, please rub me for luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny but, too because everyone thinks that being a bigger guy or having a little weight through your midsection that you're a jovial fat guy, and it's like, hey, big guy. Yeah, and it, it, it's not always that way. If you poke no. me, I don't laugh like the Pillsbury Doughboy, yeah. motherfucker. So I, I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all, and also I had two herniated discs. I had surgery. Oh no, and it's not work. It didn't work. I, so I'm in constant pain, right? Yeah. Um, so and when you're, and that's another reason why I don't do set at all anymore is just because it's too much physically. Like you're standing around. Oh, for, to be on set, yeah. Because those days, it's not a eight-hour day. Like the longest I did was I think nineteen hours. Wow! And you still have to start the day after. Yeah, I guess you're kind of there, you know, until they no longer need you. It's you show up, but usually you have a schedule, so you show up at at your time. Yeah. But let's say I have to do one of the main actors has a bunch of prosthetic or, or big makeup, and it takes like let's say three hours. Right. Well, if the guy starts at seven. Well, back up three hours. Yeah, yeah. That's when he arrives. Right. Right. Then another hour for me to get there. Right. And make sure everything is ready because I'm too tired from the night before to do it before. So gotcha. So that. Yep. So you go get your beans, your bacon and stuff, and then you get ready for you. And when his day is over, 
if you don't have anything else, then when he's cleaned up, there's no more glue, there's no more anything, yeah. everything is cleaned up, then you may be able to leave. Wow. So that's but, that's a good question though. Like you say like the cleanup process and I, I I'm just ignorant to it because I don't do it. I mean it's it's obvious that you're gonna be the one there applying this stuff, but at the end of the shoot, at the end of the day, I mean, you're talking about spirit gums and other adhesives that are not necessarily coming off with just plain old soap and water do you ever uh, get involved in the actual removal of the appliances everything i put on i take off you take off oh okay good and i started doing that the day one yeah after i uh i had an issue with an actor sure i'm like no 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 like i'm gonna take it off so if you whine that there's a bit of glue left yeah it's coming to me nobody else right and uh, that way I know how the skin is. Right. You may develop something while he's wearing the prosthetic. Oh, yeah, of course. I need to know. Yeah. And if he was wearing prosthetics often, yeah. well, I need to t- make sure that the skin is taken care of, that if we need a break during the, the shoot schedule, yeah. well, I need to be able to plan that and figure that out. And so I guess it's not it... just makeup. Like it, There's a bunch of stuff. I guess it makes more sense too if you're going to reuse any of the uh, stuff that you're putting on them too, right? Like you wouldn't want your actor to just start ripping stuff off. No, there's one actor that did that to me, and, and I on set he oh. just had a he just had a flip and he started pulling everything off. I'm like, listen, I have to take it off because you may rip your skin open. Oh, <laughs> depending on how well it's glued and yeah just ripped everything i'm like you're didn't, on your own buddy didn't matter like, have fun you got the warning um the other <laughs> thing i want to just threw a wrench somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no no you're all good the other thing i wanted to talk about kind of going through your instagram and stuff uh there's a really cool project you've got on the go and you've sort of done it in steps which i thought was really cool is um can you touch base on the uh, stasis chamber that you've got uh-huh. in your shop yeah so i we moved, I bought a new house, so we have a new shop, and I have a dirty section, and then the clean section, and then there's, you know, there's stuff that don't fit where you think it would fit, and I had two dumb cupboards, so I'm like, oh, I'll put them on top of each other. It still looks dumb, and it's not high enough, it's just low enough that you can't see on top, I'm like, oh, what the, and then I had one of my head, I'm like, oh. And me and my buddy Keith actually had that idea like a few years back. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm just going to do it. I'm doing a stasis, <laughs> stasis chamber. So I just took foam, bits of old computer, old electronics. It looks part- so good. Oh, it's thanks. For what, for what, as you say, as you say, old stuff, just stuff I yeah. had kicking around. And it's literally like maybe 60 bucks a foam. Right. So is is the cabinet is the cabinet still behind it functional? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy so guy I, staring out at you though. <laughs> yeah. So if you lift, you know the the piece that has a triangle and the the display in the middle. Yep. Well, you lift that up, and then you have access to the head, and then you just open the cupboard, left or right, and then you have access to. It. That's and that, awesome. Just I don't know if you picked it out, Scott, but that head, that's a that's one of Mark's life casts. That's Mark. That is I maybe <laughs> seen the reflection of it, but maybe I had not put that together. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah that's why I preach people oh, staring back at you. You know, we do the same thing here, like in our shop. Like you just, it's your workspace, and you know you're going to spend like a huge amount of time in there. So why not make it a place where you feel good in and that you want to go to? Like I totally get that whole. I'm going to jazz it up with my style. Well, not only that is like when, like if you have somebody that asks you to design something, yeah, it's nice to sit down where. It's like almost, I can't remember what was that show that the guy was a writer and had shit all over the place. Oh, uh, we were talking about this the other day, Ray Bradbury Theater. Ray, yeah. Ray so Bradbury just, Theater. So just the fact that there's stuff from anything and everything, you're like, oh, that could look cool. Oh, that could look cool. Oh, I got an idea. Yeah. And then it, it just keeps going. And I'm going to actually redesign everything and I'm switching my clean area into a spaceship oh that's super cool that's gonna take forever but so when people probably don't know this but you moved recently so you you've taken the whole operation and you've moved it to a new location and i know that you you now have a much larger space to work out of yeah it's more efficient it's more it's more proper there's because i was doing it literally out of my basement yeah and I did big shows in that little basement. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, for anybody who's listening, I mean, take it to heart that, you know, no dream is too big. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, your highest profile project by your website here, I would say, is probably what? X-Men Apocalypse? Yeah, probably. So, I mean, here's a guy working out of his basement in rural Nova Scotia and lands himself on one of the most high profile films of the year. I mean that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty cool success story if you ask me. Uh, yeah, that was quite the experience. That's a totally different world. Oh, of course <laughs> like, it is. Totally different world. Now you traveled for that one, didn't you? Did you you went to L.A. for that? No, I was shooting in Montreal. For oh, that Montreal! One. I didn't realize I, that that was a location. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff actually that was shot in Montreal. A lot of shows. Right, right, right. If somebody was to watch that movie today. Uh, and they were to look for your work, where would they see it? I do I do one of the, um, at the beginning of the show, it's all in the pyramids and stuff, and I do one of the... In ancient Egypt? Yeah, I yeah. do one of the priests, not one of the four... Uh, four one of the four uh, horsemen. horsemen of, yeah, I don't do those guys. Those are legacy and gotcha. no touchy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> all I did was just uh, one of the uh, the priests. But it was a good time. Absolutely. I mean, I can only imagine the uh, just the experience of, of going and doing like such a big budget production and, and then, you know, having your name in the in the credits on a big film like that. It's got to be a, a feel good moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a feel good. It's a, a, a learning curve. Cool. So, Mark, as we we tie down here, I was just, you know, and with Halloween around the corner, uh, I was wondering, if, do you have any like cool like household tips that like you'd never do now but for a guy like me if i wanted to do like a wound or a burn on my face for halloween is there something that most people would have in their house that uh would i could get away with doing a low budget makeup effect yeah. on myself totally totally you can uh you can take some glue and you can uh like wait wait till it's stacky and then you put cyan wrap on top of it and then you can burn and when I say burn that's a technical term 
it's it's just basically you dissolve the uh, edge with acetone right and, uh, and a q-tip and then when you move it gives that it gives that that funky weird looking kind of skin if you look at the shining the women that comes out of the bath okay yeah that's what they use yet again one of those films that still scares me <laughs> go Dude, back. I, i'll Listen, take your word I, for yeah, it yeah go back and watch oh baby i met i met steve johnson a few years back and uh great time we had a great time and, and uh the stuff that he was talking because he started like he was working on uh, uh, American Werewolf in London. Okay. With Rick Baker. Yeah. And that's when he got his start as like his own gig with Ghostbusters. Oh, really? Yeah. And his test, his test was, um, you know, the uh, cadaver in the in the taxi cab. Okay. They said, all right, you have two weeks. Then we'll fly you to New York. We'll shoot it. If it works, you got the gig. If it doesn't, we're moving on. And uh, that was his test. That's a great passed, story. Obviously. Yeah. That's, and I mean, that's some of the, the cool things where you're meeting your, your compatriots in the industry and you hear their stories and stuff. That's really cool back lot kind of stories. That's nice. Yeah. And he told me, because I, I was revving about the uh, makeup I saw, he's like, Dude, it's just fucking rubber. Yeah. And then I sat down, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, we're not curing cancer. We're just doing fucking makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> well, Mark, before we uh, get going here, one of our uh, little traditions here on the show is um, do you have any side projects going on and where can people find you? Right now, uh, I'm prepping for a casualty simulation exercise with the Sartex of Greenwood. Oh, fantastic. And the shop is going to be starting a project for actually a CBC documentary. Oh, that's very exciting. On the shop. And we're going to be making a, a monster with mechanical head. And after that, that's pretty much it. Any uh, time frame on the CBC uh, piece? I don't think it's going to be seen until next summer. Okay. Like well, summer, I mean, COVID kind of... COVID affects everything, right? Yeah, and uh, my website is devofx.com. It's easy. And um, I'm actually big on if you have questions, yeah, feel free to call the shop or email the shop. And there's not a day I don't go through my emails anyway. Okay, and, that's cool. Uh, I answer questions on pretty much anything. Plus, me and another veteran, we started... Uh, a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Rubber Grenade, and it's basically he's following me around, and I work, and but I explain everything. So it's it's not a typical tutorial. It's literally a tutorial while I'm working. Oh, that's fantastic! I've actually watched all the episodes, and there's there's three up there right now, and uh, you've got a little preview for some upcoming stuff, which includes your new theme song, which sounds fantastic, by the way. Yeah, I'm not allowed to say who did it yet, but uh, I think you know the story. Yeah, so I'll I'll let you. We're gonna save it. that. 
we'll save that for another episode because I think, you know, there's enough material that we covered today that we could like dive in and really go deep on any one of those subjects. So anything else you want to let the people know, Mark? If you have a passion, just do it. Just stop asking questions. Just do it. That's uh, sound advice. Excellent advice. Well, Mark, I want to say thanks very much for joining us today in the barbershop, and we've really enjoyed hosting you. That's it. That's our Halloween special. And uh, as always, it's been a pleasure chatting with both of you gentlemen today. Uh, to my recording partner, Scott, had a great time. When do you want to do this again? Whenever we want to hang out, right? All right. Maybe we'll get another one in this week. Thanks, Mark. All right. No problem. See you guys. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, and bye for now. Bye. Hey, thanks for hanging with us at the barbershop. You can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Please like and share us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on all of our shenanigans. Hanging at the Barbershop is a Sawcast production.